Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Toward Light podcast. This week I want to reflect on the impact of grief in our lives. I will be, of course, speaking from a Buddhist perspective. This episode will be colored by my personal grief experiences and ways that as a therapist I've trained in theory about grief and ways that I've witnessed grief. The core aspect of the teachings impermanence and Nietzsche reminds us that all conditioned phenomena change and pass away, and we will be separated from everyone and everything we hold dear. And our work in this practice is to, over time, become more and more connected to this truth, to fully embrace and know this truth. And we still are going to experience grief. We are still going to be affected by loss. One of the reasons I'm talking about grief today is because I want to normalize that we are dealing with loss, change, transformation, all of the time, in big ways, in small ways. And so grief may be present more than we expect. Right now, some people are mourning the loss of a parent. Some people are mourning the loss of a job. Some people are mourning that they can't have their typical holiday gatherings this year. In her book, Notes for the Everlost, A Field Guide to Grief, Kate Inglis writes, No loss is better or worse. It's all shattering reverence for you. Our first step with grief, as with any mind state, is to recognize it has arisen. Sometimes we don't know that grief is arising because we minimize loss as we experience, or we're not even noticing that we've lost something, or we're not seeing that the loss is bringing up other losses. So our first step is to recognize grief has arisen, and then our second step as 21st century Westerners is to not judge our grief, to see that it is all, as Kate Inglis puts it, shattering reverence. If grief is arising because you broke your favorite pair of sunglasses or you can't take your toddler to the mall to sit on Santa's lap this year, that's natural. That's loss. There's grief present. Don't judge that. Don't give it a second arrow of wanting it to be different and make it worse. Stephen Levine has a beautiful book titled Unattended Sorrow which speaks to the ways that we often don't feel or process grief, especially in this culture, and how sometimes a loss can bring up other losses that we haven't processed. I've had several experiences where one death or loss has brought up much deeper or more intense grief than I anticipated. One example that comes to mind is when I heard that a professor of mine from my first college had died. This was back when I thought I was going to be a stage manager on Broadway, He was my advisor, and so several years later, when I heard about his death, I was sad and sad for his family, but I hadn't seen or thought of him in years, and so I began to judge myself for being so devastated. But when I stopped pushing against the grief and let myself fully feel it, I was able to see that underneath the grief about his death, there was grief around that dream dying that I had never acknowledged when I thought I was going to be part of musical theater for my whole life. So letting that dream die, I'd never really felt how painful or impactful that was. And so with his death, that's what came up. So we notice that grief has arisen. We accept it and feel it. 
And we use the tool of investigation to question and explore if there's anything underneath it, any other losses that we are feeling. So when my professor died and I was experiencing so much grief, I kept asking the question, what else is here? Until I got to the root of my sorrow. Sometimes it helps to do this questioning written. Sometimes it helps to move the body, take a walk. And sometimes it's enough to just feel what's present and be curious and see what arises. Another way we can bypass our grief is by focusing on what's new or next. I'd like to read this brief excerpt from Radical Dharma by Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams. Everything begins by leaving. People always ask about beginnings. We strive after newness, the shiny, the acquisition of possibility a proxy for our own longing to begin anew on the journey of finding ourselves because we haven't yet gotten there. What we don't often ask is, what made me choose me and what had to end and what got left behind? These are important questions. They help us to see the truth of impermanence, that things are changing and ending all the time, and that sometimes we don't fully feel that loss because we're too fixated on what's next. We don't always want to feel the grief because it's unpleasant, but it's made more unpleasant when we don't accept it, when we push it away. Some of this is so cultural. In the U.S., we hide death away. We put our elder family members in facilities. We talk about people passing on rather than dying. We don't honor death as the truth that it is, and that is reflected in how we grieve as well. In the Pali Canon, one of the places that death and grief are talked about is in regard to the death of Sariputta and Moggallana, two of the Buddha's key disciples. In Samyutta Nikaya 47, 13, and 14, in the first sutta, Ananda expresses his sorrow to the Buddha around Sariputta's death, and the Buddha reminds him that while the physical presence of Sariputta is gone, That does not mean that Ananda has also lost all he's learned from him, or that he's lost any of his personal attainments. The Buddha uses the analogy of a tree with a limb snapped off. The loss is obvious, but the tree can keep growing. One thing my teacher Matthew Brensilver says is, our lives are filled with loose ends, and somehow we have to find a way of being at ease with all of those loose ends. And I feel like that's what the Buddha was saying to Ananda, there's going to be loss. There are going to be endings that aren't always how we would like them to be. And our practice is to accept that, to be okay with that. At the end of this sutta and the next sutta, the Buddha says, Therefore, be ye an island unto yourself, a refuge unto yourself, seeking no external refuge with the teaching is your island, the teaching is your refuge, seeking no other refuge. So the reminder here is that we're going to lose everything. So our only true safety can come from our practice, from our path, from the actions that we choose to take. Those are the only things that we truly own. Everything else will be taken from us in some way. In the sutta regarding Moggallana's death, the Buddha does acknowledge that the emptiness of no longer having his two disciples present, but goes on to explain that the emptiness comes from his lack of worry or fixation or perseveration about their deaths. It's the type of emptiness that leads to liberation because it's acknowledging what is present without adding to it, 
When we lose someone or something, sometimes we rush to fill the space or try and make meaning. But when we can honor the loss and the emptiness, even though it's painful, it does allow us to taste some freedom. Here's a quote from an article from years ago from Bruce Springsteen. He says, Losing Clarence was like losing the rain. He was so elemental in my life for such a long time. It was like losing some huge part of your psychic construction. When we have these elemental losses, whether it's a person, a place, a thing, it's essential to acknowledge that. And we have to be careful not to lose ourselves in that grief. We must acknowledge and take refuge in what is still present, what's still available. Michelle Obama says, grief and resilience live together. Every time we lose something, someone, and live through it, it's a moment of resilience, a moment of growth. We are living the first truth of dukkha, that loss is inevitable in this life. And we choose if we get lost in the second truth, the second noble truth, this craving, wanting it to be different, or if we're able to taste the third noble truth of the extinguishing of craving through acceptance of loss. And then we can walk the Eightfold Path. My dog Buckwheat lost a leg, and he is fully accepting of the fact that he is a three-legged dog. His resilience comes from his inability to be mentally reactive about the loss, so he just moves forward happily, energetically. I want to be clear, he is not an ideal model for most behaviors, but in this way, he is a being to emulate, to let go of the perseveration and accept what's no longer present, and move forward. Grief, loss, change is always inevitable, but right now, with this pandemic, it's in our faces. It's begging to be witnessed and honored. We can no longer sanitize our lives the way we have in this culture. We need to face the truth of death, of loss. Kate Inglis reminds us, know that no matter your context or convictions, we all share bereavement. As we continue to move through our days, May we all please work to honor our losses and the losses that others are experiencing. May we see the truth of impermanence as a part of life rather than something to fight against. May all beings be at ease. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.